Um, if you want to be my friend because you like me, go off. I love that. But if you want me for the sole fact of me being part of the LGBT community, um, you're rancid. I don't want it. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you no, tell them. You tell them. <laughs> Hey guys! Hey guys, what's up? Hello. So today we have Kenny with us. Kenny and I went to high school together. Hi, yeah. <laughs> so Joelle and I, we met, um, well, we... We were in uh, elementary school together, but I think we met freshman year. And that's when we first yeah. Like, yeah, freshman year we got closer. Um, we went to Sadie's Hopkins dance together in a group, and that was really fun. Okay, so we hope you guys liked our last episode where we did the Q&A. It was really fun just to kind of let the conversation go naturally. Um, if you guys have any more questions, always DM us on Instagram or, you know, email us. It's all in our Instagram app from Jwala and Yashi, and we'd always be down to do another Q&A episode. Yeah, guys, don't hesitate to ever reach out to us. So today's episode is To the Rainbow Flag, and we're going to be talking about the LGBT community um, a little bit history, stigma, and culture, and how to become a better ally. Back in 2018, India decriminalized um, the act of being part of the LGBT community, which means it was no longer illegal to be gay, trans, bi. However, they did not legalize gay marriage. Those two are separate. Um, they decriminalized the act of being gay. However, they have not fully embraced the notion of the LGBT community. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, it's still pending in court in India for members of the LGBT community to be part of the military service and serve for their country, which is just, you know, that puts me in shock. And in America, in 2015, the federal government removed all the state bans. So that's when everything became legalized. The decriminalization of being part of the LGBT community for in India started in 2018. However, for the U.S., it started, or the first major push for the decriminalization of the LGBT community and just the acceptance of the community was in 1969 when the Stonewall riots happened. Back in the 60s, when being gay and being trans was, or any part of the LGBT community was illegal, people had to go to different gay bars in order to um, express themselves. So a lot of people who identified as trans would be drag queens. Um, the most famous trans uh, person at the time, Marsha P. Johnson, the, she was infamous or famous for throwing the first brick at Stonewall. So basically what happened was, um, so yes, it was very illegal for um, just to be gay, to be trans, to cross-dress at that time. That's just what it was called. It wasn't called being trans, it was cross-dressing. And um, so what, what happened is, uh, what are they called? Mafias. So there would literally be gay mafias where they would set up gay bars and then some people would tip off the police. So they would raid the gay bars and then um, just arrest all the people. So that's what happened at Stonewall. There was, a, it was a gay bar and then people tipped off the police officers. They came to raid um, Stonewall and the people at Stonewall were basically like, 
we have enough of like we've had enough we don't want to deal with it that's and crazy it was, that's it crazy was, to think about it was like i think i think it was like eight days or something something like that like a few days that they stayed inside the stonewall and they would throw bricks and all that stuff at the police officers and it was the stonewall riots and then after that that was the first spark of um just gay pride and that's why um Pride Month is June. It's because that's when the Stonewall riots happened. That initiated uh, pride parades in San Francisco, in like major cities around the U.S. because that was the first like, hey, we're here, we are proud of ourselves, and this is, this is normal. This isn't something to be ashamed of. So that's what Stonewall represents to a lot of people. It's the decriminalization of being gay and the normalization of being part of the LGBT community. Do you also want to talk about the history of like drag queens and how they became kind of a little more culturally accepted as, you know, times went on in the United States? Well, yeah. So drag queens, like I said earlier, back in the day, drag queens, they were normally, not always, but they were normally um, trans women. They would be drag queens. Um, they would dress in makeup, put dresses on because they felt like they were women and they could not... Um, there was actually a law, you were not allowed to wear more than one article of clothing that was gender specific to the opposite gender. So you could go to jail if you were a man wearing a skirt, if you could go to jail, like all this stuff. And that's what the decriminalization of being gay was. It was to take out laws specifically targeted towards the LGBT community. That's cross-dressing. That was same-sex like intercourse or actions you couldn't hold like hands in a romantic setting you couldn't kiss someone of the same gender like all that stuff there was no there was no laws protecting people of the lgbt community so the f slur is originated a lot of people say the f slur is um in like old english or like british um british english that means a cigarette a bundle of sticks so that is because when there were no laws protecting the lgbt community People, if you if you were caught in the action of like same sex like intercourse or whatever, they would roll you up in a carpet and light you on fire, and that's what that's why they were called cigarettes, bundles oh of sticks. Oh my god! They would literally what? you would be rolled up in carpet and then lit on fire. Yeah. Um, and how is that not illegal? I don't get how. <laughs> well, it's because <laughs> it's because these people like. Being gay is a sin. Being gay is weird. Yeah, gay isn't yeah. normal. And it's like, that's why um, people take such offense when they're called the F slur. Because it, it is such, like, it has such a horrible history. And that's why it's not and will never just be a word. Um, so, yeah. Um, but drag queens. So, back they were just trans women. And then... Um, once the whole decriminalization of being gay happened, it was more normal for trans people to just be trans and not be cross-dressers. It wasn't like, we're still not at the time where being trans is fully accepted, fully normal, but there was a big push. So now drag queens just being like men who identify as men, but just like to create a female persona, that's when that kind of made it's like not first push because it always it was always a thing but that's when it like really took hold and the most famous drag queen is rupaul um rupaul charles she was um famous for being like an african-american drag queen and she's like six four six seven in heels and 
She was in a bunch of movies. A and true baddie. Yeah, her most favorite famous song was Super um, Supermodel. And it was played on MTV and everywhere. And that was like a really big push because it was the first like, it's an African-American drag queen on national television for a song called Supermodel. So that was like a really big deal. And then, um, but even then she was laughed at or like all this stuff. Obviously she was an icon inside the LGBT community, but everyone outside of the LGBT community was like, who is this clown? So, um, but she made a TV show in 2009, I think, RuPaul's Drag Race. And um, that's when now being a drag queen is kind of a phenomenon and it really sparked a lot of people's interest and it kind of took the stigma away from being a drag queen because literally 10 years ago drag queens were not known for being nice or funny or all this stuff you if you see a like 10 years ago you see a drag queen you look the other way you don't pay attention to them it was a lot like the lady boys in india because it's like they're they were thought of as sex workers they were thought of as dirty as gross um just like low life so you don't pay attention to them but ever since the TV show happened, now it kind of put them on a pedestal and it normalized it for a lot of like gay children or trans children. Cause like being a drag queen, like there can be, in my opinion, females can be drag queens. Cause it's not just changing your identity, but it's adopting a persona. That's what drag queen is. It's female interpretation or not female in impersonation, female impersonation. So it's the hyper-feminization of females. So a girl could do that. Anyone can do that. Non-binary yeah. people can do that. It's just the hyper-feminization and putting on the over-the-top like over the top persona. Mm, like kind of going off to what you said about the Kiras or the ladyboys in India, um, we tried to do some research to try to see the history behind it. So in Hinduism, heroes were seen as goddesses. They were well-respected in the religion and then I guess, I know for me personally, every single time I've kind of gone to India, I've seen um, people treat heroes with severe amounts of disrespect in comparison yeah. to how Hin the Hindu religion portrays them to be. Um, I know there are people who choose like, like Kenny said before, like they don't look, they look away, like they choose to not acknowledge their presence or look down upon and stuff. So I feel like that's kind of where India is right now, where the way they used to be treated back in, you know, long long time ago they were treated with so much respect but now they're kind of seen as these people that are ruining their lives just trying to like focus on something that should not be important i guess to what other people think i wonder if that has anything to do with the colonization of india because if if like because i mean i'm not a, i don't know that much about like indian like history but mm -hmm. didn't like the british colonize india yeah and yeah, 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 yeah yeah took over so that could have played a like a major key part in like the um the stare the stigma again the new stigma against the um what are they called the heroes heroes yeah i think just in general in indian society the eurocentric model of like beauty and perfection and like roles in society is still in place in our country right now like we've talked about it before on our podcast like the whole thing about being north indian and south indian like people just see like fairer girls and with like silky long hair like 
anything that matches a very Eurocentric ideal of what beauty standards are, like that's still in place in our country, you know? So I'm sure that still is considered in the LGBTQ plus community, how they see them as, you know, like with the heroes, they see them as like different and they're not in relation to the British that took them over. Yeah. Yeah, some Hindus think homosexuality is acceptable while others don't, but there still are a lot of Hindus that they see homosexuality is unacceptable because they think that Hinduism only teaches us that the natural thing to do is for men and women to marry and have children. And so homosexuals who are going against having children naturally, exactly, quote unquote, naturally, um, you know, they're breaking the religion. Yeah. But there's other people who argue that Hinduism historically treats homosexuality as natural, and even the Kama Sutra refers to there being a third sex. Yeah. Even if you that's, that's very, it's very common in non-Eurocentric um, religions to have um, like a male or a masculine gender, a feminine gender, and then a, like a third, like just not like separate gender. And like I know the Native Americans called it like two spirit. And it's just like a lot of, um, I know there was a lot of African religions and tribes that had just masculine, feminine, and then something else. And it wasn't even masculine, male. could be masculine, female, feminine, male. It could be anything, any like anywhere on the spectrum. I know that Native Americans had, you know, how you mentioned the two-spirit people. They had males, they had females, and they also had people that were an alternative gender status. Intersex is an is a physical um is a physical not a condition but so isn't that when you have like a mix of So intersex is basically so this is another thing this is another reason why when people say male like there's only two genders it's xx or xy that's not the case because intersex could be um you could be born with um like a penis and boobs or like a penis and a uterus because you literally you can have an xy and an x chromosome you can have three chromosomes so that's what intersex is. It's when um, you have a mutation, I guess, in your chromosomes. So you're not given just an X and a Y. So you can have different, um, yeah, just like different, I don't want to say like abnormalities because it's not, it, that means, yeah. I guess like a phys, just you're born that way. It's yeah, just a different so genetic composition. It's different from like gender identity because it's a physical trait that you, that you carry. Yeah, even like when it comes to different religions acknowledging members of the community, like if you look at old um, castles and religious buildings in India, like there are like same sex sexual activity happening, like they like portray them in the artistry that they have. So yeah, it's quite it's literally not, like on the pillars and on the architecture. It's it's very much there. As as much as certain people want to deny it, like it's something that is is normal and it's been part of our community since the dawn of time yeah and there's a lot of disrespect like you said even with the term lady boys you know there's no other word that we there is there's no other existing word for it so we just have known those types of people to be called lady boys there's no respectful term really and it's been turned into a disrespectful term and with that there's so many offensive slurs that are used against the LGBT community. I know something I heard a lot in high school, Kenny, was 
that's so gay, especially at our high school. I heard that so much. I heard the F slur being thrown around during class. See, that's really funny because I think everyone had suspicions that I was because nobody ever said that around me. Nobody ever said that's so gay around me because they knew. Exactly. Yeah, what would happen a lot was around somebody that people thought were gay, they would go off when they weren't around that person, they would go off into their groups and they would say things like, oh, why, why didn't he already come out yet? Like, he should just come out, everybody knows. But it's such a difficult thing for someone to come out. And I think a lot of people use the term having a gaydar. Yeah, I have my own take on the term gaydar. Personally, I do find it offensive because it, it promotes the stigma that uh, gay men are feminine and lesbian women are masculine because when you say that you have a good gaydar it means that you um you're able to sense femininity in men and masculinity in women and are able to equate that to being part of the lgbt community what people are really trying to push for right now is to break down the stigmas of masculine men and feminine females because there's no reason why those two have to correlate so heavily there are plenty of straight men who are more feminine and plenty of straight female who are more masculine and that is okay. But to say that that, to say that feminine men um, means that they have to be gay and to sense that, that's why I find gaydar to be an offensive term because it is promoting a stigma of femininity being equate, being equal to being gay. I never thought of it that way. And that's also because I wasn't really exposed to members of the community like throughout my life. When I thought of the word gaydar, I was just like, oh, it just like, they might've flirted with them or something. So that's why they thought they had gaydar. Like I very much thought of it like in a very like naive term. It's like, okay, you might think that they're gay because they actively like made a move on you. So that's why you think they're gay. It was never like necessarily the connection of being like masculinity in women is a sign of or is, is like showing that they're lesbian or femininity in men is a sign of them being gay. I was just kind of like, uh, they, they must have made a pass on them or something. And that's just like how I saw Gator to be. But to like hear you say that, it was just like, it completely put the whole thing in like a different perspective as to like people don't understand like the depth to how these words, like I know a lot of people didn't know like the history of the whole cigarettes thing that you had brought up and stuff. Like, there, yeah, yeah there, there's so many different things that like, we haven't been taught the history behind them. So we don't know like how much damage we can be causing by just using like simple words. And it's not just, um, it's everyday language that nobody really thinks about the connotations that it holds. People will like throw these terms around and then it's like, oh, it's just language. They're just words. It doesn't really matter. But then when you go back and then actually think about what these words are promoting, even if it's subconsciously, because a lot of these things, when you say like gaydar, it's not an active attack on the gay community. What it does is it plants seeds in your mind and then it promotes the stigma subconsciously. It like, it just perpetuates it in your mind and that's what's very harmful because it's not a direct attack, it's an indirect attack. When it comes to language, there's so many people that like think that they have the past to like say certain things. Um, especially a lot of people are like, oh, I was unaware when I said it. And they choose to like, just make that the reason as to like, why they said what they said, like specifically in celebrities, there's so many different people who have used their fame as like a way to like, say that they're sorry for what they did without acknowledging like the history behind why what they said was a problem. In this day of age, 
there are certain terms that you know are offensive. The N-word, the F-slur, like all these words, like you know they're offensive. So really saying it, you cannot say, I didn't know. I didn't know this was offensive. Like 15 years ago, you knew it was offensive. Now you know it's offensive. It's offensive. Um, what I do think though, when celebrities or just anyone in general, if they have been caught with a like homophobic or racist past, they should show like personal growth. They need to show development and like actual change because Kevin Hart, he was talking about how he was it, um, he tweeted out saying that if his son was gay, he would kill him, something like that. Uh, he got called out for saying that he would break a dollhouse over his son's head oh, yeah. if his son turned out to be gay. See, I have a very particular um, requirement for when people are um, apologizing for a racist or homophobic scandal. And that is, one, you need to show personal growth. And two, you need to contribute back to the community that you attacked. So for blackface, if you were caught doing blackface, you need to show, not just tell, but show that you have personally grown and educated yourself and are, and know the past, the history, and why it is so negative. And then you also have to donate your time, energy, and if you can, your funds to educating other people who may not know the past. So for, for saying the F slur, if, you, um, if you're caught saying the F slur, maybe you didn't know the history. A lot of people don't know the history. A lot of people think, oh, it's just a word. It's just a word. So what you need to do is you need to show that you've educated yourself, you've donated your time and effort to like educating yourself and um, what's the word like? Self-reflection? Yes, like self-reflection. Yeah, I guess like why it was wrong, but then you also need to donate your time to like a charity and to educate other people, to educate the masses. That's your duty. If you didn't know, you need to educate other people because they're not gonna know. And not just that, if you've grown a platform from discrimination, especially if it's against a certain community or minority, then you need to promote the growth of that community or minority. That's my take. I feel like the thing is, is a lot of, like, I totally agree with that, but I feel like a lot of celebrities that do do that then get, like, then get crap for doing it as a publicity stunt. It's like, what would you think, like, obviously taking your time and doing all that stuff, like, what would be to the point where it looks like a publicity stunt and it's not actually a genuine thing of them trying to become a better and more aware person? So I think right now, um, the phenomenon of cancel culture, where if you do one wrong thing, it literally, one wrong thing, you, everyone wants to strip your platform away. I think that is toxic because nobody is born fully woke. Nobody is born fully woke. Everybody is ignorant to something. So the fact that people want to um, just strip platforms away from people for saying one wrong thing, that is not, that's not healthy. You need to promote education and growth. If you can see that someone is putting in the effort, that should be acknowledged. So yes, it may be a publicity or anything like that. You cannot force someone to like, you cannot force someone to become more kind, but what you can do is you can expect them to give back. So you can hold people accountable for donating time into education. So if you can see that, then maybe but it, it's a person-to-person basis you you can sometimes tell if someone's doing it as a publicity you can also tell if someone's genuine and that's the key you need to feel the genuine 
sadness that they feel. Like you need to feel that they are sorry. You need to feel that they really know the depth of their action. Like with Kevin Hart saying he would break a dollhouse over his son like, if he found out that he was gay. That, why, why is there so much violence against being gay? You need to realize that being gay is not something to hate or be afraid of or be ashamed of. It's just, it's a fact about who you are. And it's, you have to be proud of that. So if Kevin Hart can show that he is genuinely sorry for the actions he's taken, the tweets that he's made, then maybe you can, you can start to forgive them. Yeah, I know there's a bunch of celebrities that have made homophobic comments in the past. I know Paris Hilton said that gay guys are the horniest people in the world. They're disgusting. And then once she got attacked for that, as she should, she later apologized and she just said, gay people are, are the strongest and, you know, they're the most inspiring people I know. But the thing is, it's, it's fine. You can apologize. You can say these things. You can tweet them. But like you said, Kenny, actions speak louder than words. If you don't see that person making that effort, putting in that time, donating, if they're able to, then their apology yeah. doesn't mean anything. And then there's, there's also a really key part. Um, are they posting everything that they're donating? If they're posting every time they contribute, then it could be a publicity. Because if you're like, then you're actually not sorry. If you're like, hey, I'm working with the Trevor Foundation or the Trevor Project maybe that's not the most genuine. Um, if you were actually sorry, then you wouldn't really care if other people knew. You would be like, hey, I'm, I want to better myself. I want to be a better person. And that's kind of, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That kind of behavior you just mentioned is super performative. Yeah. It's just putting it on display. Kind of going back to what Kevin Hart's response was to being called out for those tweets. Um, he just kind of said that he apologized to the community. And I remember a long time ago, I remember him talking about um, this. I remember watching a comedy show where he brings up this tweet and he brings up this situation that happened to him. And he explained how what he actually meant. Obviously, this might not be what he was saying yeah. when he was saying it, but this is what he's saying now, that he was saying that as a straight man, he would not know how to make if his son were to be gay, he would not know how to make his life be as comfortable and with all of the um, kind of judgment and all of the things that happen to the people in the community, he doesn't know if he could be the best support system he could be as a dad. But that was never mentioned. It was just kind no. of like, it, it was, was just kind of him beating his son up. Yeah, there was, there was no talk about the actual thing of, I wish this wasn't what the world was like. Like, I wish I could be you know, making sure that my child could be who he is, like, without having any, any fears in the world. But instead, he said that he would hit him in the head with a dollhouse. Like, both have such different meanings to what, what he feels, like, what he feels about his son and his sexuality. Yeah, and a lot of members of the community do struggle with coming out to their family. I don't know, how was it for you, Kenny, when you came out to your family? When I was 16, I was in a friend group where I felt very comfortable and I felt very accepted. And I'm, I am a very effeminate male, so I thought it was very apparent that I was gay. So I didn't think it would be a big deal to like come out. So I had, a, I had a rather large friend group, so I pulled my two closest friends aside and, um, well, I didn't pull them aside. I texted them <laughs> and I, I told them that I was gay and yeah. it was on the 3rd of July. 
And then um, the 4th of July, we were planning on hanging out. So like all vibes, I was there. And um, so what happened was I, I told them not to tell anyone because I wanted to come out to the friend group on the 4th of July. Uh-huh. When I got there, one of my friends that I told, told other people. So that kind of like sh- shut me down and I did not like that. So I was like, um, I didn't come out. And then after that, I was not invited to hang out with them until Friendsgiving, which was in November. And um, that was by default because I was still in the front, like the group chat. I had to find like an entire different friend group because these people, um, it was just one person. The other one I'm still really good friends with. But um, yeah, it was with people that I really trusted and I really thought already knew. Like, I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, And I live in accepting community. I thought that it would be like super okay. But um, when I came out, I lost basically my entire friend group. And um, it took me, uh, I think like 10 months to come out again to my next friend group. And it was just to tell them like I was gay and I didn't want to talk about it. I was just like, Hey, this is the thing that happened and, or this is a thing. And I just want to move on. Then it took me a few more months. So I think I came out to my second friend group in March the next year when I was, yeah, well, I was still 16. And then I came out to my parents in, well, July 2nd when I was 17 and my parents already knew, <laughs> but they, like, they were super supportive. Um, And this is one thing that I think is very important. Um, Even if you do know that like your kid is gay or your friend is gay, it's not your place to tell them. You don't need to out them. Just be supportive when they make the decision to come out to you. What my parents did, um, since I was a very, very gay (laughs) child, they thought I was trans. So my mom took me to a trans specialist when I was like four or five and was basically like, if there is like, what, what accommodations would we need to take in order to make his life better? So that's something that Kevin Hart should have done. If he was actually scared of his son being gay or being part of the LGBT community, take affirmative action. If you're scared, then maybe do something beforehand. Make sure you have a nice accepting family. If you're scared that your son is gay, don't say I'll break a dollhouse over your head if you're gay. Maybe that'll scare him into not wanting to come out, maybe. Dude, that scared me. Yeah. (laughs) That scared me. (laughs) That was my coming out experience. Um, I was never told anything directly that um, people, never told anything. No one ever hated on me in in person. And from what I could tell, um, because I still had friends in that friend group, they wouldn't trash talk me. They didn't say anything behind my back. They just kind of just separated from me so that's like chill whatever i got new friends they were very accepting um but that's one of the reasons why people in the lgbt community are so afraid to come out because you honestly don't know how people will react you it's yeah it's just scary and um not to mention just existing generates hate i um so i do tiktok and i made a video about how I used to do wrestling. So um, it was literally just, um, it was a video of me and I was wearing like a crop top and then- um, Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, so it was just like, it was like, um, when you look at me, you wouldn't think wrestler. And um, 
then it was like, um, then I uh, switched into my singlet and then all that stuff. And then I got so much hate from that. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a hateful video. There was no, like no shade thrown to any community. It was like, I was the butt of the joke. I was saying like, Hey, I look very like feminine, but Hey, I can do a masculine activity. It's not like out of the realm of possibilities. And people were saying like, um, like I had, uh, there was a chain going on. It was like, as a part of the wrestling community, we do not accept him. We will pass him on to the footballers. Oh, so it was. That's so awesome. rude. That's so uncomfortable. Like, um, like I don't, I don't take that personally because I don't really care about the hate, but the fact that simply existing generates so much anger and hate towards the person that's why people don't want to come out that's why people don't want to associate themselves with the lgbt community because it's literally once you say i'm gay people hate you like even like and even if the person wasn't meaning to be super insanely homophobic and it was just a joke it's still hurtful and it's still hateful and like someone who wasn't as um, confident in their skin or someone who wasn't as like proud could have been very, very hurt by that. It's like, that's why people are very scared to come out. I kind of had a question for you. I know you, how you talked about your friend um, outed you to your other friends in the friend group before you want to. So for my friends that are, some of them are like half out. So certain people know other people don't know. If someone were to ask me, right? Like, so someone had met, yeah. let's say person A for the first time and then person A, let's say leave the, leaves the room for a second. And then the person asked me like, Oh, are they, let's say, are they like gay? Yeah. Um, in that situation, because they're out to certain people, but not all people is, do I have the right to say something? It's very situational. So is it like, um, are they out to everybody except their family? Because then it's like, like, let's say I, I'm in college and I'm out to everyone in college except my family. So then, yeah, I think it would be okay. But if it's literally like, if it's just a friend group, like, oh, I'm out to my friends, but not everybody, then I, I think that's off limits. And if you're ever scared, like if you really just don't know, just ask, just say, um, if someone says, hey, are these people like, is this person gay? Just say, um... Like, I, I don't know, because then, yeah, they don't really, like, they can't pursue any further questions. You just yeah, because I don't want to, like, force people to out themselves out, like, yeah. you know. Because that's, like, one of the worst feelings. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like that's, that's, like, a part of your identity that you're choosing to share on your own time, because you're also learning about yourself. Yeah, and, but it's like, very important to, like, have this self like discovery to like come to terms with it for yourself okay so kenny since you're you know pretty tiktok famous you got over <laughs> 500k followers whatever yeah <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh um so what is the anti-lgbtq plus culture like on tiktok well it's very much it's not like it's not like direct attacks not very many people there are obviously but not many people go like, I hate gay people. I hate trans people. It's more homophobic comments, remarks, or stereotypes that are pushed. So something that was really big, there was a song that um, was very trendy where popular creators would um, use it. And it said like, I like girls who like girls. 
and um, that fetishizes lesbian or bi women. And the thing is, there's a really big phenomenon, not just in TikTok, but just in culture in general. Gay guys, sorry, straight guys like gay women, but hate gay guys. Straight women love gay guys, but hate gay women. So it's very much, um, they just fetishize, like, have you ever heard of, like, the gay best friend? Like, hey, like, you're my gay best friend. A woman will say that to a gay guy to have a topian yeah. gay friend. I've heard that. That's so commonly seen in movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the gay best friend. There's literally a movie called that. And um, it's just fetishizing a token gay character. It's like having a black friend. It's like having, it's the token, cult, like, to make your friend group diverse. So they're basically capitalizing off something that someone struggles with. Yes, that's very much the vibes. And it's like, um, if you want to be my friend because you like me, go off. I love that. But if you want me for the sole fact of me being part of the LGBT community, um, you're rancid. I don't want it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You tell them. You tell them. No, but it's like, um, so the anti-LGBT movement in TikTok, it's normally um, fetishizing certain aspects of the LGBT community while demonizing others. And if your acceptance is half-hearted, we don't want it. Like, it's, we want to be fully accepted. You can't just love gay women. You can't fetishize girls who like girls. And then also be homophobic towards guys or be transphobic. Like, that doesn't make sense. Um, I feel like with guys specifically, I know that whenever they, the the, the way they fetishize fetishize lesbians is the idea of how they can benefit from that. So, like, they'll think of, like, threesomes and they'll be like, oh, like, or especially, like, if they have, like, if they meet a girl who's, like, bisexual and they'll always, like, or it's also, there, there's like two ways. It's either them being like, oh, now I can, you know, she'll be comfortable with also having sex with like another girl. And like that opens up the conversation for a threesome. Or it's being like, oh, I'll be the guy who to change you. Like they make yeah. it a game. So it's like, it, there's no, there's no like, in both of those situations, they're both wrong. It's, it's more of just like them thinking about what they can benefit out of someone else's sexuality. There's a lot of media centered around that, but there's also a lot of positive media. I know that Glee was one of the shows that, it was one of the first shows that members of the community could relate to more, which was, you know, it's a positive thing because that was a pretty old show and they were really, they were open about being homosexual and not everybody being straight in high school. So that was a big thing for everyone since a lot of people started to feel that, like, if they weren't straight, they started to feel the tension coming in high school. So they were able to relate to that show a lot. It was really probably the first TV show that actually showed, uh, like, LGBT people in a positive light. Exactly. And it wasn't just token characters. It wasn't one-off characters. They were main characters who had actual depth not just being their identity. Yeah, they showed the familial struggles with it, but they also showed positive things about the characters that weren't straight. So that is something that I really liked. And it was really, it was eye-opening to watch growing up. 
Yeah, for me, like, I, I watched the show a long time ago, but I remember the dynamics of, like, Santana and Brittany. How in the beginning, they were just, like, two friends, like, having fun, and then Glee was able to show the progression of them realizing and them coming out to, like, everyone in Glee and then to their families. Like, they, they not only had someone part of the community, but they showed someone who was, you know, taking their time and going through the whole experience of coming out and everything. So I thought that was something that a lot of people don't see. So Glee was the first show to showcase the LGBT community in a positive light. However, there is a reason why older generations have such a stigma against the gay community, and that's because of their, port- their portrayal in media prior to shows such as Glee. One that specifically comes to mind is a show called Next, where it was a speedy dating show where on occasion they'd have LGBT episodes where there would be a bus full of gay guys and then one gay guy outside and one by one they would come out of the door and they would have like a quick date and if the contestant ever didn't like the person on the bus they would just say next and another person would come on and in theory it doesn't sound that bad but they pushed the stereotypes of being gay to the max they had hyper stereotypical gay men they would play up stereotypes and make the contestants as flamboyant as possible and it promoted a negative stigma because it really like these contestants were so annoying to their core their entire personality was being gay they were very one-dimensional which is not what glee did glee, glee made three-dimensional characters that anybody could relate to whether they were part of the lgbt community or not shows such as these put gay as the forefront of their personality And that's why um, so many older generations have such a negative stigma towards gay people. And another reason why older generations have such a big stigma toward or against the LGBT community is because of presidential uh, portrayal of the LGBT community. In the 70s, I want to say, or the 60s, when Reagan was in office, he said that AIDS was the wrath upon, oh wait, AIDS was the wrath of God upon homosexuals. And that's what really gave the okay for everybody to say, let's just let gay people die. Let's let the AIDS epidemic just soar through the LGBT community unchecked. And that's why there was little to absolutely no support in the LGBT community to combat the AIDS crisis. So a lot of times um, people are fearful of their children or grandchildren of being gay because literally when when older generations were growing up being gay was equated to having aids they were synonymous so you you come out as gay you will have aids and you will die shortly after so that's why people really were fearing that their kids were gay and that's not a problem anymore yes like aids is still transmitted but there are plenty of medications to combat it There's a medication called PrEP, which basically, if you don't have AIDS, then it makes you immune to getting it. And then if you have AIDS, it makes you um, unable to transmit it. So there are plenty of um, options nowadays, but older generations still hold on to these stigmas. Wow, I didn't even know that. So did Reagan ever apologize for that? or any? He didn't. So what happened was he was the first president to ever even acknowledge gay people just in general or the LGBT community. And what he said was, um, okay, now 
Nobody has to do anything ever for them. Fall semester, um, I took women's, it was women's gender and sexuality studies. So it kind of um, was a little bit of everything. And we learned about like the AIDS epidemic and everything. And I remember her saying that it wasn't until um, AIDS started to spread into the into like heterosexuals that Reagan started to admit that this is a that, like he said the word AIDS like before that he never even acknowledged that it was there because he chose to ignore its relevance because it didn't it didn't you know affect um people like him like it didn't affect heterosexuals yeah and that is a huge problem because um basically in no schools do they talk about um when they're giving sex ed they don't talk about LGBT related issues. So um, a lot of times like sex ed consists of, hey, if you don't want to get pregnant, wear a condom. And that yeah. is the extent. If you don't, yeah, you don't want to get pregnant, wear a condom. That's all they teach you. So gay guys feel, I, I can't get someone pregnant. So like, why wear a condom? Uh, because you don't want to spread like STDs. So that wasn't translated back in the day. Nobody talked about STDs. No one was talking about like how you wear a condom, not just to prevent children, but to prevent like, like STDs, STIs. Um, so yeah. So both of you went to the same high school. So were you guys like, how in depth did you guys feel your sexual education was? I don't even remember getting any of that in high school. I think it was in middle school. Was it eighth grade? Yeah, eighth grade. Eighth grade it was science. eighth grade. They separated us, um, girls and guys, and then they gave us some, it was really bad. It was a presentation. It was so bad. I learned nothing from it. I left, I like went in knowing nothing. I came out knowing nothing. And the kids were just, you know, laughing. Haha, like this is so yeah. funny. And I, it was not beneficial for me or anyone I know in any way, really. Yeah, and, like, as a gay guy, um, what I came out of it was, hey, none of this relates to me. I don't really need to pay attention. <laughs> it was just, like, I, I don't care. Um, I'm not going to get anyone pregnant. So, um, and that, that's, that's harmful. That's why the AIDS epidemic was such a big deal. And also, the reason why it spread to this straight community, the heterosexual community, is because um, not everyone who is like having sex with men are gay. There's a lot of bi people. And that's what spread it to the heterosexual community and all that sort of jazz. And not even that, it can be transferred through like sharing needles. And there's so many other ways you can contract AIDS. But I know for me, like my high school and my whole school district did really well in teaching us about sexual education. Um, they started with the basics around elementary school, just teaching us about like the individual genders, menstruation cycle, erection, stuff like that. Then um, into middle school, they taught us about like what STDs were. And then in high school, only one time throughout your four years, you had to take sex ed or just health in general. And they had a huge course on sexual education. And my teacher always made sure like no one in my class was openly part of the community but she always said she's like if you were to practice this kind of sex this is the kind of contraceptives you would need if you were to do this this is what you would need she she did a really good job in making every single person be be well aware as to all the different things that could happen 
because yeah. if we're not going to be, if we're not members of the community and we're not going to be having that kind of sexual activity, at least we know. So if our friends or if our family is, we can make sure that they're staying safe and they're well-educated to keep themselves safe as well. Yeah. I wanted to go off something you said earlier, how um, AIDS isn't just transmitted through sex. It's transmitted through needles, through blood work. And as a gay man, I am unable to donate blood because of the stigma that every gay man has AIDS. I am unable to donate blood. Um, How do they keep you from blood? It's legal for me to donate blood. I'm not allowed to. Once you have had sex, once you're a male who has had sex with another male, you are unable to donate blood, Um, which sucks because if you have COVID, I haven't gotten COVID. But the most, um, most effective um, combatant of COVID is um, once, like, if you've to had To have the it, antibodies. Yeah, the antibodies. Else. Exactly. So, yeah, if you've had it, you now have the antibodies, and you can donate your blood, and they use your plasma to treat other people. Mm-hmm. So if I were to get COVID, I couldn't even donate my blood to other people. I literally, and that is stigma. That's literally, like... There is no reason why um, I shouldn't be able to donate blood. But, but, like, what about in high school? Like, if you were to go in, in like, because in high school, they didn't ask us about our sexuality. Like, yeah, well, it was just kind of like, donate it's, blood. Yeah. It's not just, um, it's not if you're gay, it's if you've had sex with, like, if you're a man who's had sex with a man, you're not allowed to donate blood. But that's what I'm saying, because I know for, like, my guy friends, like, they were never asked about their, like, sexual activity and stuff. It was just kind of like, do you meet the height and weight requirement? Okay, go donate blood. Like, yeah, no, but it's, um, can't remember where, but it's like, it's kind of like, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. But I do know you're not allowed to. I, I'm not allowed to donate blood. It's also, like, there's certain countries, if you visit, you're not allowed to donate blood, because it has a really high risk of, because you can get it through mosquitoes. Um, so like Haiti, if you visited Haiti, you can't donate blood. Um, if they're in African countries, if you visit, you can't donate blood. Um, so that's why like when people say, um, gay, like the LGBT community is, there's no laws segregating the LGBT community. There's no anything. There's no segregation. There's no uh, discrimination. Sorry. There's no discriminatory laws. Um, I could name 10 right now. There's literally, but the thing is, they're not direct um, attacks because it is illegal to uh, discriminate based on identity specifically, but you can remove legislation and protections. So recently, something that happened was um, trans people don't, they can be denied service at hospitals. So what can happen is a trans person who had, it doesn't even have to be COVID. They said because of COVID, like, there's limited resources or whatever. So now they can just deny trans patients. Um, that basically means if you, you, you could be giving birth, you could literally be giving birth and they can just say, we don't want you actually. We just don't want you. We don't want your problems. We don't want your issues. Please leave. Um, that. That's so bad. It's literally for any reason. They use it as because of COVID. So when people thought about it, they were like, oh, so they can just like deny trans patients because of COVID? Like, no, it's any medical reason. They can just, they can just say, we don't want you. And that's it. And they also took away protection for federally funded housing for trans people. So now, um, even if you are trans, you're paying, your taxpayer dollars is going to fund these houses that you cannot use. 
you like they can literally be like oh you're trans and you need housing no thank you we don't want you so that's that's how it is or um the trans military ban so that was basically um they said it's too expensive to um have the u.s military fund trans um trans needs the total for the trans needs in general was i think 16 million dollars on the last year that it was offered um the amount they spent on viagra was five times that amount so it's not the budget 16 million dollars for the military is literally nothing not even a little bit so it's just discriminatory laws there was another one where basically senior homes are some of them are federally funded so what they do is they give evaluations to all the patients and they say do you have like alzheimer's um and they they survey up all the people all their needs then they tally up how much money that would need for um funding for like the medication for all the needs and everything they send it to the government they give them however much money they need so what the trump administration did was they cut off all um lgbt related issues so now hiv is not covered um trans um like hormone therapy isn't covered anything related or pertained to the lgbt community was stripped away from the surveys so they're not getting funded for those medical needs so basically the people who were throwing the wall the bricks at stonewall the people who fought their entire lives for just a to be recognized and be accepted now that they're retired or in in the senior homes they can't get they can't get help they got they were stuck they're stopped no one's helping them anymore and nobody talks about that nobody talks about the old like the people who actually started the revolution it's all people just young people and that's what's sad and that's what there are discriminatory actions that are taking place and it just infuriates me when people say it's not happening. Just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening. I think that puts so much into perspective when your own country doesn't recognize and support you in the ways that you need. You know, like we're not all the same. I think they need to cater to everybody's needs more appropriately. And so when the institutions just don't support you, I guess sometimes it falls on the schools to have to educate their students, which doesn't even happen properly. So at your college at West Valley, how how does your school treat you? Do they appropriately support you? I think it's, um, so when you start a class, a lot of the teachers put out a sheet of paper and basically say, write your preferred name, write your preferred pronouns, and that's just what we're going by. Um, but, so that's very accepting and you feel very loved. But I can't remember one time that they said, hey, if you have any issues, please see these people. If you need help, see this person. And I'm sure if you ask them, they would direct you to the right people. But a lot of times people in need don't always want to reach out. You need to take yeah, a vulnerable. You need to be the one to say, hey, we offer these services. Please, like, if you need us, were there instead of these people retroactively saying, hey, I need help because nobody asks for help in the beginning. They only ask for help when they're like on the edge. Exactly. Yeah, I think one of the biggest resources that we know about is the Trevor Project. Yeah, so the Trevor Project, from my knowledge, 
I know like I, I remember it when I was like younger and I still watched a lot of YouTube and like Tyler Oakley was one of like the one of the biggest advocates for this um for the Trevor Project so basically I, I think it's just a place where members of the community can be a support system for each other and they can kind of t help take that initiative to make it a little more accepting and make it a little bit safer for them to be for members of the community to be who they are yeah and i think that's very very important because one thing is like i remember um actually so when i was talking about the outline of this podcast to my mom we um my brother came in and my mom asked him so casey um how many people like how many of your friends are gay and he's like oh i think i knew one in high school and then my mom was like, how many friends are bi? He's like, oh, I have one friend, he's sick. So the, like, the LGBT community is not that big. So it's very important for especially people in small towns, people who don't know other people to be able to have interactions. As you said before, like the people, the, the senior citizens that fought in Stonewall and stuff, I, I feel like nowadays people only think that this movement is the youths. It's just a bunch of young college kids fighting for something, but th they're not seeing the whole history, how this has been such a long thing. And I think people that aren't, you know, out and people aren't comfortable to talk about it, they think that because they've seen adults be so against it, they've never seen, you know, like members of the community that are older vocalize it as much as kids our age have i yeah i've noticed that a lot of people they say aren't you happy yet like aren't you happy yet everything is fine for you guys everything is there's no discrimination anymore everything is okay why are you guys still upset and we're still upset because there are still there is a law in place called um or a defense in place called lgbt panic if you haven't heard of it it's basically if you have sex with someone in the LGBT community, you can kill them and say, I panicked. And that is a legal defense saying um, against murder. You can say, um, like, you can have consensual sex, and this happens all the time. The life, expect sorry, the life expectancy of an African-American trans woman is 35 years old. 35. Because what people do is they're so ashamed that they like these people that they will have sex with them, kill them, and say, I panicked. I panicked. What, what else would you expect? I panicked. And that's completely and legal. That's completely legal. And it's, um, it's held up in court many times. It's a legal defense in, I think it's 45 states. It's not legal in California, Oregon, New York, and two other, I can't remember. So that's why, um, that's, that's why, why you're not happy. Not ha we're not happy yet because this is still happening. I, I've never heard of that. That was like, yeah. Cause it's like, that's the thing. Nobody, nobody cares unless it's affecting them. Everyone's like, aren't you guys happy? Look, you guys get pride. You guys get pride month. You guys get a whole month dedicated to you guys. Why aren't you happy? Why, why don't you stop? Because just because we have some things. It's like, if you have a debt of a hundred dollars and they're like, here's 50 cents. Aren't you happy? It's like, yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're like, we're kind of, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a head start. That's like, we're getting there, but look at all the way we have to go. That's, that's how we look at it. It's like, we've made jumps, 
but there's so much. There's so much we need to do. I'm just like, I like <laughs> no words. I, I I like I'm just thinking about someone being so ashamed of who they are that they resort killing someone over it. Like you're taking someone else's life away be- because you're ashamed you're of you. Like because you're you're ashamed. And um, the thing is, that's one thing to be ashamed of it, but it's another thing to make it legal to be ashamed. And that promotes the stigma that gay people that being gay is something to hide because it's legal to kill us. People say, oh, it's hate crime. Like, this is another thing. People are like, if, if a straight guy hits a straight guy, they'll get charged with assault. If a straight guy hits a gay guy, they'll get charged with assault and a hate crime. So they're like, actually, we're the ones oppressed. Straight people are oppressed because we face more charges when assaulting other people. It's like- Just don't assault people, goddamn. You have to realize that it's a hate crime because there's such a history around why people do it. It's a hate crime because it's a pattern of things that happen. It's not a one-off occurrence. Specifically with South Asians, they try to find justifications as to why being a part of the community is bad. And it, it just brings members of the community down. I know some of my friends that are members of the community, they're like, hearing my friends talk about oh, well, our parents don't let us do this. Our parents don't let us do that. And we have so many regulations on us. And they're like, we're not even allowed to be open about who our sexuality is. Our parents are talking about who we want to get married to. They're talking about people that I'm not even attracted to. And I haven't even been comfortable to bring that up to them. It's, yeah. it's so hard to hear that there's people that, that, that feel so... But it's just like, I'm like, I, I can't even finish my words. Yeah, it's, it's so it's interesting. eye-opening once you have someone who, like, to educate you. Because that's how I felt when I learned about, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. I was very much, like, up until this year, I was like, what do you mean? There is no hate crime. Like, slavery ended. What do you mean it's, like, you're sad? It's like, everyone's free. Everyone's good. Um, Until you learn about the history of segregation, how it's, woven into the fabric of our economic and societal standards, then you realize this isn't a one-off occurrence. One person dying is not a one-off occurrence. How many times, how many, okay, how many Jews had to be killed for it to be the Holocaust? How many, how many people had to be enslaved for it to be slavery? What's the standard? Because this is a pattern. These are, all these people are getting killed. When is it how many how many um, Mexicans at the border have to be enslaved for it to be an American Holocaust? Because we have thousands. What, what, how many? That's the thing. Nobody wants to talk about it because it doesn't affect them. It's people that they don't like. It's, it's the illegal immigrants. It's the LGBT community. It's the African-Americans. It's people. It's the minorities. And you don't realize it until you're the one who's facing the discrimination. Yeah, and you're... You brought up the idea of introducing like the education to people that don't know. How would you want specifically allies, members who um, people yeah. who aren't in the community, if we were to educate other people that aren't as well versed about you know the things that happen, all these laws that you've brought up, how do we do it? Because I feel like <clears throat> some people, I know for for older people that I've seen, it's taken like 10 years from them, for, for them being in the beginning to being like, if, you, if you're part of the community, you stay in the closet, there's no need to tell anyone, to now being like, 
okay, if you are this way, or if you're, a, if you're a member of the community, just understand that you will face discrimination. That took them 10 years to change. So obviously that's such a slow change. What would you want us, how would you want us to educate people to speed up that process? I think the most important thing, and this isn't just an LGBT related issue. This is and just, if, if an LGBT person says this, if someone of, if a person of color says this, if a woman says this, if somebody is offended, if somebody is offended by something you said, don't say, well, I, it wasn't offensive. I didn't mean to offend you. Say, I'm sorry, why was it offensive? So that you can learn why these things are offensive. Say, I'm sorry, please educate me. Because that's how people learn and develop. That's how you get character growth. That's how people actually develop as people. It's like, you literally, if someone, if someone went to me and said, or like, that's so gay, I would say, hey, please don't say that. This is why you don't wanna say that. Not, hey, that was offensive. I, I'm not, I'm not homophobic. I didn't mean to be offended, like offensive. That's the thing. If someone's like, someone says something racist, don't be like, uh, okay, if someone says something racist and you say, that was racist, the person will be like, I didn't mean to be racist. This is why you were racist. This is the context of the situation. This is the history of what you said. This is why people get offended by it. And there are so many things like that. There are all these people, like all these people coming out saying, this is, um, this is an offensive term to my people. It's normally because white people colonize their land, calling them something they didn't want to be called. And that's why it's an offensive term because it's not what they refer to themselves as. It's a slur. People in um, Canada and the uh, like Arctic Circle, we call them Eskimos, right? They're the Inuits. Eskimo is a slur. And nobody calls them Eskimos, they're Inuits. In Romania, like Gypsy, you don't want to, they don't want to be called that. that. That's a slur, but that's what everyone says. It's like, well, if you didn't want to be called that, like, what's the, what's the name? What's the, like, why are you offended? What's the history of the word that you're saying? So that's, that is the most important thing to be an ally or the way to be an ally. If someone says this offended me, don't say, I didn't mean to be offended, offensive. Say, I'm sorry. How can I, how can I better myself? How, how can I stop this next time? Exactly. You said everything so perfectly. I think just how to become a better ally to the whole community in general is to learn about the range of sexualities on the spectrum. I know I myself don't know everything, but I try to learn things, you know, and it's important so that you can help other people, you can educate those people and get us to the goal faster. And yeah. Another big thing, I know we talked about this earlier with what happened in your friend group, is if someone comes out to you, don't share their story everywhere. It's not your story to share. You have no right. Yeah, it's a, you don't want to out someone because that shuts them down. What you want to do is just be there for the person. And if you ever have wor like questions of whether you can talk to other people about someone being gay, just ask them because they'll tell you, what they're comfortable sharing. Yeah, and another thing you can do is attending marches, spreading awareness, posting about it, and just educating people. I think day to day, one of the biggest things we can do is to correct people in their language. I think that's what's used most <clears throat> often, correcting that language. Even if, like you said, they weren't trying to be offensive, but they were, correct them. Keep correcting them, 
they don't fix themselves, correct them again. Just keep correcting them. Show them articles. Show that, give them resources on why what they're doing or what they said is wrong and harmful. Yeah, and vocabulary is always changing. And it's literally what was said 10 years ago is not what's being said now. Like, I always I say that's vibes. Like, oh, these are the vibes, like all that stuff. I didn't say that even six months yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Language literally changes so quickly. You could stop saying that's so gay. You could use they, them pronouns. Yes, it is hard to consciously make efforts to do stuff. But if you make the conscious effort, it will become subconsciously easy. At a time, it'll literally, it'll be just second nature. People use they, them pronouns in the singular all the time when they don't know someone's gender. And that was something that I found out when I said, when I first heard about like non-binary people, I always thought like, why would you want to be called plural? Like, why would you want your pronouns to be plurals? That makes no sense. But if you really think about it, if you don't know someone's gender, it's like, do you know who this is? Or do you know whose this is? I'll give it to them. Oh, it's theirs. That could be one person. It's like, oh, do you know, do you know Juwala? Uh, or this is Juwala's food. Can you give it to them? That's a singular. Yeah, kind of talking about that. I know for me personally, I didn't know a lot of um, non-binary people until college. So I would constantly mess it up. That was me always. I'd be like, he, wait, I mean them. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And then like, I would always be so frustrated. And like, even to this day, I still mess it up. But I, I... It's the challenge. It's like, you're, exactly. you're challenging yourself. You're trying. That's the real thing. I don't know a single non-binary trans person who, who gets mad at people for trying. You exactly. get mad at people for not trying, for not giving an effort, for saying it's too hard. I don't want to do it. That's and, what people get mad at. And not even that. I also now have become so aware of pronouns that even when I see my friends mispronounce someone, I would be like, oh, by the way, it's them. Like I've become so used to like being respectful of people's identities. That I'm now like acknowledging other people. But I know Joala said before the range of sexualities on the spectrum. So I've heard two spectrums, two separate spectrums that is what's in the community, but I want to hear your take on it. So one that I've heard is it's straight on one end and then pansexual on the other, which is um, being, you can be attracted to anyone. And then there's another spectrum where it's straight and then homosexuality. It's straight and then homosexuality and then asexual, asexuality and pansexuality are off the spectrum because it's either no one on the spectrum or everyone on the spectrum. So I have my own take. Um, Obviously there's like a bunch of different people who say there's differing opinions and all this stuff. I like to think of it as it's not really a spectrum because I don't think people were meant to be classified. I don't think like, yes, I'm a, I'm a homosexual man, but there is a chance that I find a woman that is just right for me. Mm-hmm. And th- there's that chance that that's out there. There could be a straight guy who knows that they're straight. I take, do you, do you know like Jeffree Star and like his ex-boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. His ex-boyfriend had only ever dated females, was attracted to females, met Jeffrey, fell in love, and they were together for years. So it's literally, there is no, there's no line of like sexuality. It's nobody was meant to be put on a timeline. It's just, you are who you are. And that like, it does, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if you're bisexual, pansexual, asexual, like 
gay, like homosexual, heterosexual, it, it doesn't matter. It's you're a person. Kind of going off on that, I know you brought up like Jeffree Star's ex-boyfriend, I think. Now, as we're continuously talking, I'm starting to see things in a different light. But do you think sexuality can change over time? So like at some point you're like, I'm gay. Okay, now I'm straight. Like I'm, I want to be with a woman. I want to be with a man. Okay, like it, it changes throughout time. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And like I can, I'm sure almost every single LGBT person can relate because when you're growing up, you are forced, you're force fed a narrative that boys are with girls and girls are with boys. So literally I remember having crushes on girls as a little kid, but now I'm convinced it was because I just liked them as friends so badly that I was, and I was told that guys had to date girls, guys loved girls. So it was like, okay, well, I really like her. Um, Does that mean I love her? Does that mean I really want to be with her? So I, I think it does change over time because people are fluid. People, people just, they're not meant to be one specific like thing at any given time. You're, you're a person that fluctuates and grows and develops. Try and respect people. That's the main takeaway. It's like people go through enough shit in their life. There's no reason to add to it. It's like with the self doubt you place on yourself, you don't need other people putting any more pressure on you. Yeah. You don't need to project it. Yeah. I just want to say you really popped off throughout this whole thing. And like, <laughs> I stand you literally the Thank whole time you. you were just saying things and I'm like, oh my God, I like, I can't, this is amazing. Like it was just so, it was like nice to just like listen to you. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like it is definitely something that I'm very, very passionate about because it's like, As you should I'm, be king, king energy. <laughs> well, it's like, I'm, I'm so fortunate to like, be in a household that like my parents and my family are super supportive. Um, but not everyone is as fortunate. And the fact that even people who aren't homophobic don't realize like the amount of hate that people face. It's like, you need to, you need to just shed light on the fact that these are issues. I think that's the most important part that you just need to talk about stuff. You need to be aware that there is hate in the world for people and try and just denormalize hate. Yeah, I know for the South Asian community, it's really hard to, like, even start that conversation. I think having conversations with our parents in general about anything <laughs> remotely serious is just... It's hard, especially... Really difficult. We all grew up in, like... Like, I grew up from such a different community from my parents. What I've been exposed to and what they've been exposed to is so different. So the way they view the world and the way I view the world is even more different. So, like... I think like the best thing, specifically for people who are South Asian, um, it'll take time to have those conversations with your parents. It'll 100% be hard. There, there's no way that you can just be like, hey, so we're just all going to be okay. We're all just going to be like, we're all going to find ways to make the LGBTQ plus community be respected as they should and everything. And there's, there is not a doubt in my mind that your parents will start an argument from that or they will find a way to discredit what you believe. So it's definitely gonna be a hard conversation to have with your parents. It's definitely gonna be a long one, but I think it's the best- important thing one. Do, it's important and you, exactly. have to, you have to try. Exactly, the best thing we can do, even if it doesn't change their mind, this is what I've started to believe. At some point you can't change the past, but you can change the present. 
So if your parents believe a certain way, at some point it's okay to give up, right? But that doesn't mean you stop working towards changing. That means you, instead of working on the past, you work Mm -hmm. on people, you work on younger kids and you start to teach them, you know, hey, like just because someone identifies this way does not mean that they're different from you and me and starting that conversation young because that's changing the future of our country. Yeah. Exactly. And on that note, we want to leave all of you guys to think about the discussion we just had with Kenny. Kenny, thank you so, so much for coming on. We had so much talking to you. You educated us a lot and we that you guys listening felt the same way. Yeah. So do you want to like give a little shout out to your TikTok or Instagram, whatever you want? Yeah. Uh, I mean, follow me on Instagram, uh, Kenny.Tatis, K-E-N-N-I-E dot T-A-T-I-S. Or Captain Knuckles on TikTok. I love that TikTok name. <laughs> okay, yeah. Captain Knuckles comes from, do you know The Misadventures of Flapjack? Heard of it. Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. It was an old TV show, and there was, like, a really cranky old man that always got drunk off candy, and his name was Captain Knuckles. So I put my name, my name's Kenny, so Captain Ken Knuckles. I love that. That's yeah. actually, like... <laughs> and it's, like, it's really funny, because now, like, my fans call me Captain. They're like, hi, Captain. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Basically, the summary of this whole podcast is stop being unnecessarily mean to other people. <laughs> yeah. Just Normalize change. Normalize yeah. change. I Normalize feel like this is... Change. We say that... I, I don't think there's been a podcast episode where me and Drawler have not said... Normalize, Normalize change. <laughs> Normalize yeah. change. Exactly. Um, so next episode, we're going to be talking about parents. So, you know, get ready for those conversations, parents, everything good and bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys on there. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.